Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Awesome. In Philippians chapter 1 and in verse 3 it says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine making requests for you with all joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. This word there, the word fellowship in the gospel, Paul's writing to the Philippian church that if, if you remember, the Philippian church was, was a, <laughs> we tell the story all the time in children's church. This was a remarkable experience for Paul and his, and his buddy named Sil- Silas. You might remember the story. They were in Philippi and they were preaching the gospel and they get arrested and they're beaten and they're put in the prison. They're, they're doomed. They're locked in their chains and their iron. And they begin to, what do they do? Not gripe and complain at each other about the fact that they're in prison. But they begin to sing out worship at the, to the Lord at midnight. And the Bible says at that midnight hour, the jail began to shake. And their prison, uh, their prison uh, bars and, and the, the chains and everything that was holding them captive came off of them. And they worshiped the Lord. And as they did this, the jailer comes in and he's going to kill himself. And they say, no, don't. Don't kill yourself. And they end up ministering to the jailer. And the Bible says that the jailer entire household got born again. Who's to say that God didn't allow that experience to happen just so that he could show his glory that in the middle of the darkest hour, and you might be facing a situation like that today. You might be in a dark place and a dark season of your life. Sometimes God will allow us to get in the middle of the chains and the struggles of life just so that he can show his glory on your behalf. Just so that in the middle middle of that darkness, the light of God can come rushing into your life, rescue you out of the pit, rescue you out of your despair, and someone around you encounters Christ, and the whole family gets born again as a result of your story. That's awesome that God would take, and that's that's exactly what He wants to do. He wants to take your story, your encounter with Him, and that lives, He'll use it, that lives could be transformed, lives could be changed. And so we fellowship, this is This is the church. This is the people that Paul's writing to. We fellowship in the gospel, Paul said. We become partakers. That word koinonia there, it becomes a, uh, it's a term of intimacy, a term of fellowship, partnership, that we become comrades in a joint effort, joint venture. We partner together. Their partnership, their fellowship together, what they were endeavoring together, the Philippi church, and, and Paul was for the fellowship of the gospel. What were they doing? They were advancing the ministry of the gospel. Now, here's the dilemma to this. Oftentimes, God calls us to the ministry of the gospel, and he, he comes and does a radical work in our life, but we begin to build fences, as it were, in our life. We begin to put up walls around us. We don't want people to see the hurt and the shame and the, and the mess that we live in, so we try to, we try to keep out everybody else. My, my mom's side of the family is, uh, I 
grew up saying they were in the South. I've learned to say that they're now in the Southeast. Having lived in New Orleans, it's kind of hard to say anybody lives in the South unless you're in Florida at that point. But my, my mom's side of the family has that Southern hospitality, Southern culture. And my grandma used to, I mean, she would clean her house every day. I mean, it was they had, a, they had this huge, giant garden tub, I remember growing up in one of their rooms, and every day she'd be back there cleaning it. And I always wondered, why is she always cleaning that garden tub? They never use it. But you could see yourself in that garden tub. I mean, she had the Windex out, on, and, and you could see yourself. It was like a mirror. But she, she had, maybe you're familiar with this, she had the showroom, and then there was the living room. And the, the showroom was the first room that you walk into when you walk in the house. It was right off the main door. And it still had the plastic covers on the couch. I mean, it was, her lampshade still had the plastic on it. And I'm like, why would, and I always, I never could figure that out. Why would you have a room that nobody could use? And all the kids, all the grandkids, and she had a lot of them, none of them were allowed to go in the showroom. If you were going to play, and my grandpa smoked, so you had to go in his, in his room where it smelled like smoke. You had to go back in the living room, and uh, none of the house smelled like smoke except for that room. <laughs> she cleaned it really well. But, but that, was, that was the southern thing that we had to, you know, you had your showroom. And the same is true of us. We have our showroom. We have parts of us that we let everybody see. We're okay with everybody seeing this part of us, but, but don't go in the living room because that's where it smells like smoke. <laughs> Maybe for some of you it really does, but, but that's where, that, that's, that's, that's the part of the room that we don't want anybody to see. You know, we don't want anybody to touch, don't touch the junk in my trunk, right? Don't, don't go messing with my stuff. You can see the showroom. And the same's true with fences. We build these fences and these walls where, where we allow people in our front yard, but don't go in the backyard. You know, right now, our, our uh, backyard, well, let's just say we have a dog and it's been winter. And, uh, you know, you, probably, you might not want to go walking around in our backyard. I can't guarantee the safety of your feet while you're walking in our backyard. And uh, not to mention, we had some strong wind blow stuff over. So we got to deal with all that, you know, whatever. And so our backyard right now is not the best place to go hang out. You know what I'm saying? And so you can come hang out in our front yard. And, and when it gets warmer next week, you can come, come hang out in our front yard. But don't go hang out in our backyard. And that's how we, that's how we treat people. You can come, and, and you can come this far with me. But, but don't go into the mess of my life. I don't want you to really know the details about me. But... If we are in community together and we are to intentionally love each other, God's placed people in our lives to intentionally love and walk together this journey. It's really hard to do that and intentionally love one another when you separate out your backyard and say, don't come in, don't touch the mess, don't, don't look at the mess of my life. And so Paul's saying here, first off, we've got to become partners together. We have to become comrades together. We have to walk together. So a couple truths from this scripture that I just want to point out about the power of living in community. Number one, Jesus breaks down every fence that you can ever build. You know, we, we have... Um, 
we have a great fence that has to be dealt with. There's a wall that's been placed between us and God called the wall of sin. And that's the first barrier that's got to be dealt with. That's the first relationship. Maybe you're here today and there's a huge gap between you and God. You know about God. You've heard good information about God. But with God, there's still a fence between you and Him. God, I'm okay knowing about you. I can pass by you on the sidewalk and look at the house. But, but I don't want you coming in my yard. I, don't want you, I definitely don't want you coming in my backyard. And so there's, there's a divide between us and God called sin. Jesus comes to obliterate those fences. He wants to tear down the fence between you that stands between you and God. Romans shows us a great picture of this. In Romans 3.23, tells us that we have a great big wall that we have to deal with. This fence has got to come down. In Romans 6.23, because of that fence, because of the wall, the gap of sin, we'll never be able to get to God. Romans 5.8 tells us that there's, there's a huge, huge fence. And God knew that there was a huge fence and was willing to deal with that fence before we ever knew there was a fence. Before we even had a yard, he was willing to deal with that fence. In Romans 10, it says if we'll admit that we have a fence and we'll ask God for his help, if Jesus will come and crash that fence down for us. And Romans 10.13 tells us that Jesus never denies a fence crashing party. So if you're, if you're willing, if you're willing for Jesus to come and break down the fence and break down the barriers that stand between you and God, he's willing and he's able. The Bible says here in Philippians chapter one, that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. It's not by accident that you are where you are today. God is able to finish what he started in your life. You may be surrounded by people who make false hopes and false promises and people that have let you down, people that love you because they're trying to manipulate you, people that love you because they're trying to control you, people that love you because they expect something from you. But that's not true with God. He loves you just the way that you are, and He loves you so much that He's willing to break down the fence, the barrier Himself, so that you and Him can have relationship together. The reality is, once we're born again and God breaks down these fences, number two, we have to allow people in our yard to have community. We have to allow people in our yard. The problem is, once God breaks down the fence that stands between us and Him, we often go back about the work of rebuilding it between us and other people. God demolishes the fence, and now we're standing, as it were, just open before Him. All of our mess, all of our shame, all of our guilt, all of the sin, all, everything's exposed before him. And then we start picking up the pieces and saying, oh, I don't want anybody to see that. I don't want anybody to touch that. I, I, don't, I don't want people knowing my shame and the things I've done or the places that I've been. In Judges chapter 6, we find a story of, of a man, and I, I love this. I love this story, story of Gideon. In Judges chapter 6, the Midianites are coming out to attack, and, and the, the armies are, of Israel coming together. And, and Judges chapter 6, this is the story. And now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was an Ophrah, which belonged, not Oprah, Ophrah, something like that, I don't know, <laughs> which belonged to Joash. You know, if you can get these names, you need to teach Bible college. Well, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And he said to him, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? 
Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the, weak, the weakest, the least of my father's house. And so here's God saying to Gideon, you're the man, O oh, mighty man of valor. And what's he doing? He's hiding out in the wine press. <laughs> you know, God's, we're like this a lot. God's called us, and he's put his hand on our life, and he said, you're the man, you're the woman, you're the person that I desire to pour out my love on and pour my love through on the hurting and the broken. And we're like, God, you got the wrong person. Let me, let me go find some place to hide. Let me build a fence. I, I'll keep you at safe dif, uh, distance. And those crazy pastors who keep telling me that I need to step up and step in, to all that God has for me. I'm going to build a fence between them and me because they're crazy. They don't know what they're talking about. And those small group leaders who keep trying to get me in their small group, let's build a fence between them and I don't want to deal with that either. And all the while, God is saying, Grace, Grace, hey, Grace, Grace, mighty woman, Joe, mighty man of valor, hey, Grace, Joe, hey, Get out of the wine press and step into all that I have for But you don't understand. I'm weak, and I don't, I don't have anything to give. You know, that's, that's the point, is that you don't. In and of yourself, you don't have the strength, and you don't have the talents, and you don't have the skills. You can't clean your life up, and you can't impact people for the gospel on your own. It takes the supernatural empowerment of God. It takes Jesus coming and breaking down your fence, and you getting connected in the community of God for that to be happening. Absolutely. And so that's what God wants to do in us. He wants to do that in our lives. He wants to build community in our church, and in our lives. But it's hard to do that when we put ourselves in a fence, when we build fences with others. And so we have to begin to allow others to come into our yard. Now, how do we not build fences? Let me give you some examples. You have to become partners with people. If you don't want to build a fence with someone, you have to be intentional about partnering and fellowshipping together. You can't just say, oh, I'll get to it someday. If you want to be in community, if you want to connect with others that are in this local body, the people that God has placed around you. You know, it's awesome. I look across the crowd today, and I know most of y'all, but there's a few faces that I don't know, and there's some that I don't know well. And so as a pastor, I intentionally try to meet people and go out of my way and get to know people. I meet with people, and our pastoral staff intentionally tries to connect with people. But it's more than just our pastoral staff doing this. It's you doing it. It's you being intentional and coming in partnership with one another. It's more than just knowing somebody's name as you see them passing you in the hall. Oh, that's so-and-so. Or knowing where they sit, right? I think... And there's, Leanne is messy about this. She'll, she'll, she bumps, moves all over the sanctuary. And she thinks I don't notice. But I, but I know. She moves from here to there to sometimes over here. I know. I watch. And so sometimes we just, we just think, well, I, I know them by where they sit. You may not even know their name. That's not fellowship. That's not partnership together. Secondly, we have to realize that we have common identity together. When we realize that in order to let our fences down, not build fences, and be in partnership together, we recognize our identity is in Christ. It doesn't matter how different you are from me. You know, Heather and I's story is, is a great example of this. She's the, she's the drug dealer, horrible, you know, whatever, past, she, you know, whatever, blah, 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 blah. You know, and I'm the church boy. I grew up in church. I don't know what drugs are. <laughs> you smoke what? <laughs> I know what it does to you when you do it. I mean, I've seen that before. 
And uh, especially living in New Orleans, you see it all, deal with it all. But uh, you know what? I don't know anything about that. I don't, you know, that's not my life. But God, but God, but God, in the middle of our crisis, my sin was not any better than her sin. Because I grew up in church, it didn't make me better. Yeah, that's a good opportunity to shout. Because sometimes we think, well, because I'm a church person, I've been in church 65 years, and my, my, my sin smells pretty good these days. <laughs> no, it still stinks. It's, it smells before God. It's still sin. And so God takes us in all of our diverse backgrounds and he says, whether you're slave or free, whether you're Jew or Greek, I am making you to drink of one spirit. You have one identity and it's called the blood of Christ. Doesn't matter your background or where you're at. If you are in Christ, you're a new creation and we have common purpose. How do we let our walls down? Recognize we all have common purpose. We all have a common identity. We all have common purpose. The Westminster Catechism says it like this, that we are to enjoy God and glorify Him forever. That's your purpose, to enjoy God and glorify Him, to make much of God, to take, take as much of God in as you can, find your pleasure, your ultimate pleasure in God. What does it mean to have community? It means that we don't build fences. It means that we become vulnerable with one another. Hey, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm dealing with. Can you pray with me? You know, I love, you know, Alicia and Chris. They were uh, dealing with family crisis the past couple of weeks. And what do they do? They reach out to their, their small group. They're reaching out to their pastor saying, we can't do this by ourselves. We're in a little bit of a situation. Come help. <laughs> and so here we come with our Paneras. <laughs> here you go. And you know what? That may be, it may seem so simple to walk into somebody's hospital room with Paneras, but for them, it's a lot better than hospital food. <laughs> so it's simple. You begin to be vulnerable with one another. You're real with one another. You're not putting on the mask, so to speak. Uh, you know, we all go through things in life that knock us off balance. We all face obstacles. We've been talking about that in Cleansing Streams. We all face obstacles. We all face assaults. We all face these things. And so we have to be real with one another and say, this is what's going on in my life. This is what I'm facing. And then begin to share your yard with one another and let people in and say, hey, this is what's going on. Here's my mess. Like it or not, here I am. And when we intentionally love each other, we'll walk each other through it. And we'll all grab a rake or a shovel or, or a broom and we'll start cleaning up the yard together. Right? Now, if you're a, you know, a TV person, you might remember this person from Home Improvement. How many of you remember Wilson? <laughs> Here's Wilson. He's always looking over the fence, and it's like we never see his face. Tim, always, Tim, the tool man Taylor, goes and always asking for advice, but you never see the man's face. Uh, we do this a lot in church. We come in, and we're constantly peering over the fence at one another. Uh -oh. Yeah, you got issues. You sure do. You know, as a, we, all, we all can relate to Wilson probably with Tim coming, man, does this guy ever stop? Does he ever get it right? You know, we've all been there. And then we've probably all been on the other side where we're going to the Wilson saying, hey, can you help me figure this out? And we're just peering over the fence. At some point, we've just got to say, how about you come into my yard? Yeah. Let's do this together. Let's walk life together. Yeah. And then thirdly, 
Before I get there, let me say this, though. One of the opportunities, I talked about this last week, um, and that's why I'm jumping to this, but one of the ways that we build community in our church, two, actually two significant ways. One is our small group ministry called care groups. If you're not in a care group, you need to be in a care group because that's a great place to build community, whether it's a Sunday morning Sunday school class or a group that meets during the week. Yeah. It's an awesome, awesome opportunity to build relationships with people. But then we're starting in April, what we talked about last week called Sunday Night Thrive. And so we're taking our Sunday night, you know, we've wanted to do a Sunday night service, and we've just been, since we've been here, we've been asked, hey, can we do Sunday nights? And we're just trying to figure out what Sunday nights look like. And so we're doing a Sunday night intentional discipleship opportunity, and there's four levels to it, and it's 40 weeks, basically, of teaching. Heather and I are going to be teaching. It's 40 weeks of teaching. It starts in April, and you can come and walk through the different levels with us together. Level one is planted. We're understanding our roots. We're understanding the foundations of what we believe. Level two is rooted. We're understanding how we begin to minister. We spread out our roots. How do we minister to one another? How do we encourage one another? Level three is grounded, that we find freedom in Christ. We get rid of any hindrances or things that would keep us from being established in God. And then a level four is flourish. How do we grow and develop and become prosperous and healthy in the things of God? And so that's, that's going to be a great opportunity on Sunday nights to connect with people on a discipleship journey. And tonight's Cleansing Streams, we start Sunday Night Thrive officially in April. But I would encourage you to be a part of those opportunities and get plugged in to building community. Let me also say this on community. One of the things, you know, um, God's really been speaking to me about, we, we've seen a lot, of, um, a lot of new health and vibrancy come to the church in the past few years. It's awesome to see all that God's doing. And someone asked me a question this week, and it, it just kind of stopped me in my tracks for a minute and made me really think. And um, usually I'm the person that has 100,000 vision ideas. I mean, if I'm full of vision. If you need vision or direction for your life, I can set you in a course. You know, I'll find something. It may not be thus says the Lord, but I'll get you moving. You know, I'll find something for you to do. And... Uh, this week, someone asked me a question. They said, well, what's next for your church? If, if, what, if God's done all this, what, then what's next? And what does, what, what's next look like? And I started thinking about that, and I thought, wow, Lord, we've seen a lot happen in the past two years. I mean, I, I, we're strengthening what has started. We've strengthened what's been in place, and we're still on this strengthening journey and establishing. And, and, and I, I hadn't even thought, you know, to be honest, I hadn't even thought that I'm still over here saying, Lord, thank you for all that you're doing. And when they said that, I thought, well, Lord, I know the answer to this. I've been saying this, you know, and our staff's been saying this, and we've all been saying it. We just need to begin to say, Lord, what's next? Help us down this journey. And uh, one of the things I felt like the Lord say uh, back a, a while ago, and our staff have all said it, is that we, one of the keys that we need to focus on is becoming a truly intergenerational church. And I started thinking about that, and I thought, <clears throat> well, that, God, I guess that's what's next, because we have, we have great seniors, and we have great young adults, we have great youth, we have great children, you know, we've got great and all these components, but we need to blend. Yeah. 
we need to blend and not be, you know, as the, as the modern term is, silos. You know, you, you all know what silos are up here. It's where you kind of store stuff, the grain, and you're all to yourself. We don't need to be silos into ourselves. We need to be a body. We need to connect together and be a family together. And so one of the things, that's one of the things that the Lord's been challenging me about is what's next. And so you'll see things about that and how we, you'll, you'll see some intentional changes in making things intergenerational. But, but regardless of that, we are a community and a family together, regardless of age, your background, what, what past God's brought you out of it. None of those things matter at the cross. It's all level playing ground. Thirdly, how do we build community? We have to begin to enjoy the company. <laughs> Well, I don't really like that person. Well, you need to learn to love them. <laughs> you need to learn to love those people that are around you and love them as God loves them. Have you ever been to a, a party and you walk into the party and it wasn't well planned? And you just kind of, you're all just kind of standing around saying, Heather and I are, are event planners by nature. And so we, when we walk into restaurants or parties or things, we just kind of, we can pick up on the subtle, we don't, you know, we're not critiquing or being critical, we're just, we just notice, we notice things. We notice all the details, and it's funny because that's just our nature. But have you ever been to a party that was just really bad? <laughs> and you're like, there, there was no food, there was no interaction, people just kind of stood around, and you're like, what's really going on here? Well, God's called us to be in community and do life together intentionally. This is what Hebrews says about that. In Hebrews 10, 24, it says, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. What, what the writer of Hebrews is saying here is that you and I are to consider, we are to contemplate, we are to think about, we are to strategize how we can be family together, how we can spur one another on. Now, let me ask you this. When's the last time that you've come into church and you've intentionally come into church with a question posed to God, who can I encourage today? Most of the time when we get into church, we're thinking about, oh my goodness, I just got my kids checked into childcare and I'm spinning, or my wife or my husband or this or that, and then we've got worship and all these things are bombarding us. But how about praying before you arrive to church saying, God, who can I encourage today? Lord, give me a word for somebody today. Help me encourage someone today. And when you get here, you're looking for that person to build up. You're looking for that person to encourage. You're looking for that person to give them a word of knowledge or wisdom or whatever it is that the Lord's speaking to you. You're ready to give. You're ready to sow. You're ready to have intentional community. How do we do this successfully? One, don't have unhealthy expectations. Have healthy expectations. A lot of times we think in church, well, I'm going to come into church, and we're going to have family. We're going to love one another. We're going to do life together, and I'm going to know everybody there is in church, and I'm going to know every detail, especially after pastor preached today. I'm going to be in everybody's yard. I'm going to be all up in their business. I'm going to know everything going on. That's unhealthy, because chances are, one, you're going to burn out trying to get in everybody's yard. Two, you're probably going to become a gossip telling everybody about everybody else's business. Three, it's, it's probably not reality that you're going to be in everybody's yard. You're going to know everybody and have connections with everybody, but there's going to be a few that you're going to have deep relationship with, and that's what you're after. 
You're not going to be best friends with everybody. A healthy expectation is that you're going to have connections with everybody, but you're going to have intimate, deep relationships with a few. Find those people that God's placed in your life. Heather talked about this Wednesday night. How do you know who those people are? Because you're constantly bumping into them. Every time you turn around, they're there. When you want to do something, they're always there. You're finding those people around you in your local church, and you're saying, hey, let's do this together. Who's around me? Let's do life together. If you've had challenges in the past, maybe you're one of those people that you've not put much effort or intentionality into building relationships. Uh, Sometimes that happens in church where you get burnt out or you've been hurt, you've been offended, you've built the walls, and now you're sitting there saying, well, if anybody's going to come into my yard, I'm just going to be sitting here waiting for them. (laughs) They'll have to come to me. Healthy community starts by everyone doing their part. All of us engage. All of us have to be intentional. Understand baby steps are okay. (laughs) Doesn't mean that you're going to let everybody in your yard tomorrow, but you have to start on letting someone in. Allow God to come and demolish that fence. You begin to let the fence stay down. Don't rebuild it. And you let someone in. Maybe it's just one person. Allow God to bring that person into your life that's going to be at the right place at the right time that's going to encourage you. And then you got to take some ownership. (laughs) Be intentional. This isn't everybody's job, everyone else's job. It's all of our jobs. It's not everybody else's job to go yard searching. You know, sometimes we sit in church and say, man, that was a great word for so-and-so. I hope they're listening. (laughs) We've all done that, right? But that's not community. Lord, what are you speaking to me? What are you saying to me today? Help me to engage in what you're saying. Another great way to do this is the care groups I mentioned earlier. Get involved in a care group around you. Find someone around you and begin to build relationship. Be intentional. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.